All right, well done, guys. That's great. We've got a treat today. You're going to hear a little bit from me, and then I'm also going to be inviting the wonderful Jeff Marsh to join us. He's up the back there getting all revved up, I think, as well. So welcome, Jeff, and it'll be great to have you share a little bit in a moment as well. So as we move towards that moment, it's a little bit rocky. As we move towards this moment, I want to start by looking at a church in Antioch in Acts 11 that kind of reminds me of some of the things we've been watching and noticing and enjoying. And now, this church, there was someone that had just been killed and there was persecution. That's not what we're enduring right now. But there's some real um, principles that we can learn from what was happening in this church in Antioch. So it came, um, we're, we're reading in chapter 11, Acts 11, if you'd like to turn to it. I haven't got it on the screen today. So if you'd like to turn to it or open your devices, feel free. Acts 11, we see there's a flourishing of this church. So they'd been scattered out to places where it was no longer just based in one place. And in this new place, this new church was thriving. So much so that the reports were getting back to the home church, the mother church in Jerusalem. The report was getting back that the Lord's hand was upon them and that the Lord was bringing great number into belief and turning towards Jesus. His grace was there and his, his life was amongst them all. So what happened was that they sent Barnabas up there to spend some time with them, make sure that they were legit and they were teaching the word and they were sowing into them. And then Barnabas said, there's so much good stuff going on here. I'm going to head up to find Saul and bring him back as well. And so Barnabas and Saul spent a year with that one church, just teaching them and sowing into them. And it was an amazing, flourishing time for that church. And if you've been around here for a little while, we, in the last two months, have had someone from Sydney come and spend two months with us, right? And so we're going to see more of that. We're going to see that there are going to be people coming to pour into us. And I give you that hint, and I'll tell you more details as that continues to fold, unfold and emerge, that we're also going to see people going, we want to just come and hang out here as well. It's going to happen more. And so in Acts 11, not only were Barnabas and Saul there, the prophets came. And so if you look at verse 27, this is what it says. During the time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world, and that this happened during the reign of Claudius, so it actually happened. He predicted, he heard from the Spirit, and then it did happen. There was a major famine through all of that Roman world. And it impacted that church as well, Antioch. And so verse 29 says, The disciples, they each as one, each one, as each one was able, I'm going to read that again. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did by sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Paul, Saul. So as Barnabas and Saul left, they took the gift from these disciples to a place of need. They were providing help. And so often we think when there's a crisis, when there's a pandemic, the very first thing that we need to be doing is pray and repent. You know, often Christians, we turn, turn inwards. These Christians who were flourishing and healthy, their very first response was, 
who's going to be at the most risk? They're asking these questions. What can we do to help? Who can we send? Three questions. Who's going to be at the most risk? What can we do to help? Who can we send? We are in a place like that right now, Yarra Valley, that we are recognising the generosity of God amongst us and we're recognising he's doing stuff amongst us and that there are no orphans in his vineyard. And so we're responding, and you're going to hear some of that story today. We are responding to who's most in need around us. What can we do to help? Who can we send? So it's going to be really very exciting to see as we hear the heart of the Lord what that's going to look like for us. And Jeff has a part in that, and so you're going to hear more about that shortly. N.T. Wright, one of the greatest scholars that I enjoy reading, and I know many of us read as well. He's a UK author and amazing theologian. This is how he simply puts it. This is who we are. This is what we do now. He says, what you do in the present, have a listen to this, by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbour as yourself, what you do in the present will last into God's future. You're calling it in through every creative activity that you do, through everything you do in the present, you are calling in the new creation that Jesus has brought to us, that we celebrated at Easter. If you were here, we had a cross that each of you brought something from your gardens as a, a symbol of new creation. And in your hands, you also took some symbol of growth and new creation away from that Easter day. It symbolizes what's in your hands and what we can do together. And so you'll see on the slide now that we have been looking <laughs> for the first part of this year, the Lord's just really wanting us to get his view, God's view of who you are. And we've been looking at that as a person, as individuals, and we're going to just swing today into what about, what's his view of us as a church? When we get together, this church particularly, when he looks through there, what is a view that he is seeing of us, Yarra Valley Vineyard, and all those that are visiting us today, we welcome you into that discussion as well. And so we're going to talk about that today, and then next week there's going to be another conversation about that. And then we're going to be having an amazing series on Sundays with Ben and Adam taking us through Genesis. So yeah, there's a whole lot of fun coming for us. But before we start looking at today's identity stuff about who we are, I want you just to swing your eyes and your head around the church and have a look at what people are wearing today. See who stands out in what they've chosen to wear to church today. I love Melbourne, and if you're on, online, we've got a lot of dark colours, we've got a few bright colours. What you're wearing today reflects your personality, I hope. I hope that you have the freedom to put the clothes on each day that reflects who you are. And so, I want you to think about the clothing that you chose to wear today. I want you to think, how is that expressing your personality? Now, at this point, I'm really restraining myself from pointing and going, oh, I love what you're wearing. I'm really restraining myself. But it's really great as we scan and have a look around. You express your personality through clothing. And depending on what clothes 
we are wearing, it should reflect the real you. It should reflect who you are. And actually, as an individual, hopefully, we get a, a non-verbal communication about how you're feeling today and also who you are. It's the real you. And it's one of the forms of communication that we look to to give us information about who you are. <laughs> and is that scary? No, I think it's great. I love that as a church, we have so many different expressions here. Steph, come on. Come on, Steph. She's being really cheeky. She's coming in front of the camera again. Look at this as an example. Do, yeah, right? Now, you were, you were being really cheeky then. Do you think that what you wore today is naturally who you are? Sadly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated. So we see different expressions. And we've got the person sitting next to Steph is actually someone that studies fashion. So she's going to be sitting here listening to me a lot at the moment because I'm talking about clothes. And I'm like, oh, no, we've got an expert about fashion <laughs> and all that changes. Expressions change with clothing, don't they? When this church started, oh, my gosh, if you could see what I was wearing then, it was probably like vests. And it was really stuff I would not wear now, right? <laughs> Trav's laughing, going, yep, yeah, it's true. But what I'm going to do now is I want you to think about expressions of worship. Not only do our fashions change, so does our worship expression change. Psalm 145, for example, we'll put this slide up in a moment, guys, just a sec. Psalm 145, the worship leaders of the day, this is what they had. They had ram's horns. They had drums, they had harps and lutes, tambourines and cymbals. That was the expression of worship in, in that day. And they then said that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Not only instruments, but as well. And so think about the worship leaders and our worship leaders currently. On the slide right now, I just chose four generic expressions of people that have values of faith, and so the very top one there, we've got an Amish family. If you think about what their expression would look like and you think about what their clothings look like, and then next to it, a very formal expression of faith and worship in a very formal setting, and they're wearing robes, all of them the same. And then the two bottom ones, there's a guy, a dude with no head, right? And that was on purpose because very often when we think of worship these days, we think of a stage, we think people gathering together, and often someone like that would be the person leading, right? Often, being very general here. <laughs> and then if you think about the guy next to him, he is wearing exactly the same clothes, but he's got a hat on. And so that's telling us he's probably also got another part of his expression that might be what kind of genre? country, right? So he'd be different. And so we also recognize that we all come and not only do we wear and express ourselves with our clothes and personalities, we come to worship and we also recognize that there will be differences that we can enjoy. And the whole wide body of Christ has a whole wide expression and diversity. And yet we also have something very specific about this group of people that gather together about Yarra Valley Vineyard Church and our expression is also we've got our own identity and so if people walk in here they'll notice that oh, we're not wearing robes in fact if people come and they're wearing ties they go oh I feel a bit different we welcome everyone whatever they want to wear but they notice oh no one else is wearing a tie 
there are different expressions. And so today, I'm just going to, before Jeff comes up to speak, I just want to give us a couple of foundations of our identity and how God sees us. And the first thing I want to say is that if you're hanging around us, this is what you'll see us reaching for, what's in our hearts. And on the next slide, you'll see that our vision is that we want to reach our world for Jesus. And we do that by growing in faith, by offering hope, and by acting in love. So faith, hope, and love, really, really key to us. That's who we are, and that's what we want to see expressed. And so as we talk today, and as you hear from Jeff, you're going to hear there's some other things that are really important that keep us in balance. And they have distinctive clothes that we wear and expressions that we have here. But they're also just kingdom values. And so if you're visiting, you'll recognize, yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's how Jesus lived as well. And Jesus talks about, as we sang today, being fruitful. And so the fact that our name is Vineyard cues us into some of the things about the vineyard and how Jesus spoke about the vineyard in intimacy, staying connected to the vine in John. But also, as we sang today, we've got a father that's singing over us. And so wherever you are, every day of the week, he is singing over you as part of his fruitful vineyard. And he's saying, there's no orphans in my vineyard. And as things change, as fashion changes, as worship expressions change, we also are recognizing the church is changing. Not only locally here, but the church generally in the wider church is changing. And so we have to remind ourselves what is it that are, is important to us. And the whole, the whole um, understanding about new wineskins that Jesus teaches his disciples, you know, I think we might just read that quickly in Matthew 9, Jesus was talking to his disciples about what happens when change comes, when he wants to fill, uh, fill his people with his spirit. And in Matthew 9, verse 16, it says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth in and on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. And neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, so both are preserved. And so we are in a process right now, and as those that are leading here with you, and the elders as we got together, and our leaders got together in the last couple of months, we're recognizing that we are experiencing new wine that needs to be in new wineskins. And so part of that is going to be expressed in a new way. And it's going to be something that we recognize if we are trying to do things old ways and trying to patch things up, it's probably not where the spirit's going to be contained and come and flow through. We're actually looking for the new wineskin that comes along with the new wine. And I know you're here because of that. I can know your longing is for that as well. And so I'm just saying that that is a language that we are using in our prayers, in our strategy. We're saying, we're asking questions. What's the new wineskin for our kids? What's the new wineskin for our youth? What's the new wineskin that you're wanting to fill, Lord, for all of our expressions of life together? And so some of it will be the same, but you know how a wineskin in Jesus' day, if they poured anything into the wineskin that was old, it would burst and explode. And we don't want any of that mess, do we? We want mess, we want the right mess. 
So today, we just wanted to let you know, and I'm speaking on behalf of all the elders here, that we have really recognised that the Lord's asking us to sow into some things. And one of the ways that he's going to do that is sowing into the things that are important to him. And so if you have a look at the next slide, you'll see a beautiful, vibrant person. You got up there? Yes. Our foundations that we are standing on are the kingdom of God and the Bible. And obviously that's something that we could teach on, but because of time, I'm not going to go there today. But this vineyard person that I'm introducing you today, and when we first heard about this, it was just the vineyard man, but now we call it the vineyard person because things have changed. <laughs> this is the vineyard person, and we're going to, over the next couple of weeks, just look at the things that are keeping us alive and connected and that are part of how we are to live. It's a description of us as a local church, not as individuals. It's a description that you're going to see that will fit us as a local church and not necessarily a whole full con connection of everything that we're called to, but some really good language to help us. This is a happy person. This is a happy vineyard person. So we're standing on the foundation of the Word of God, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we're standing on the story and in the story of the kingdom. And so we expect that his kingdom is advancing through all of your lives and also to those around us and through the church. And just as Jesus came and preached that the kingdom is near, Every time we wake up and greet the day, we say, Lord, your kingdom is near. How am I going to see it today? And so the activity of God comes through the illumination of his word and the illustration of his works. We expect to see healing. We expect to see his presence. We expect to see that he's going to be with us in very tangible ways as we worship like he did today. Next slide. Two things that keep us in balance that we're going to be focusing on today is our legs. The vineyard person has legs of worship and legs of compassion. We stand upon those things. They're very important because that's what Jesus did and that's how he lived his life. And so worship and compassion, loving the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind is our first commandment. And we do that through worship. We do it through song. We take time to sing new songs that are going to hit our hearts, that are singing to Jesus. Did you notice the songs we sang today? A lot of them were singing to him. That's where our heart flow will go in worship. But we also see worship as living our daily lives before him. And so our worship will be in the way that we deal with people, in the way that we handle our money, in the way that we handle and live our sexuality out, in the way that we party and have fun. Our worship will be expressed through our jobs, through the language that comes out of our mouths. All of our daily lives will be impacted by that. And our worship is an offering to him to bring glory to him. When we pray, we meditate, that's all part of our worship. When we pray for people, when we see healing coming, where we see demons evicted, we know that's part of our worship and our obedience. The vineyard has a really special gift about intimacy in worship. And so having just a couple of people up the front leading us in worship, that's our clothes. There will be times when we might have big bands and all that sort of celebration, but we are also happy with just one person on a guitar, eyes closed, fixed on Jesus, as we all learn to worship 
and continue to soften our hearts before him. And the other leg that keeps us in balance, and if you think of legs, legs are not only about balance, but they're about movement. And so to have worship and compassion, it's a walk. We walk it out. I was going to get Steph, but I won't pick on her. I was going to get her at the start of this message just to stand on one leg for the whole of time I spoke and see how balanced she was and also see how long she could do that. Because if we only have one leg that we are operating in, we are going to lose balance and we're going to get tired. Worship and compassion go together. It's like riding a bike. We need to have both those legs. Are you glad, Steph, that I didn't do that? <laughs> so we, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And we're going to hear about that from a man right now, that, from Jeff, that carries that. And many of you know his big heart. He's been led through worship and compassion. He lives this stuff, as do you. But he's got a very special call on his life. And as we, as elders, had our vision day, we felt that there was something that we could do, like the Acts 11 situation. Who can we help, Lord, in this season? Who, need, who can we give some support to? Who can we invest in? And we felt like the Lord was prompting us to invest in the ministry that Jeff's founded, Elisha Care. So what that means is that I got the privilege to take that message to Jeff and have a coffee with him and just say, on behalf of these people that are invested in the kingdom that give weekly, we want to give weekly to what's happening for you as well, Elisha Care. We want to strengthen and support our partnership. We want to do that financially. We want to send that to you every week so that for the next 12 months, you guys are going to be part of investing financially with everything that you give. A percentage of that will go to Elisha Care. And that's, yeah, give a clap. That's good. And we're excited about that because it represents our ministry of compassion and worship. But we're also excited because this is a kingdom foundational ministry some of you are here today it's so great to see you all here you're living it out guys and we want to say we're with you we are with you in every way not only investing but we want to also partner with you so jeff's going to give you some of that understanding today and if you're asking me how does that look in terms of percentage we're going by the elders have decided that we want to give 10 percent of what you guys give every week we want to make sure that 10 percent of that a tithe which is what's biblical and what we often do with our own personal finances we want to do that as a church that 10 percent will be going out beyond us and so that'll be part of our commitment for the next 12 months. Some of that's going to be going to Jeff and the other part's going to go to vineyard churches that are developing churches and church plants. And I'll talk more about that next week. So this will be part of our church tithe going out beyond us to build the kingdom. So would you like to welcome Jeff Marsh? So good you're here. Wow, I didn't, I didn't shed a tear when Di met with me and had coffee and shared that news. And I was really red. I wondered why, because I think the tears are coming today. Ah. Um, incredibly humbled and, and seriously don't quite have words to uh, describe how 
I and we feel about uh, the vineyard uh, partnering with us. There's a whole bigger picture and I might just give you a really little snapshot of that bigger picture that excites me. So about 12 months ago, roughly 12 months ago, um, Father was doing some massive stuff in my life and he said, um, go and talk to Di and see if she wants to play together. Vineyard words, you know, that John Wimber said that we all get to play and so that stuff's really been um, significant for me and so I go to Di and say, want to play together and it's like, what, Elisha Kev Vineyard, what do you mean? Like we were both a little confused and I, and I can't articulate what that looks like, still can't. Um, but what's happening is it's starting to unfold more and more. And so when Di approached me and said, we the vineyard want to um, back you this way, it was like, oh, Father, wow. What does it look like now? And, um, and my understanding is, so what happened is we, we did this thing only just before Easter where we felt nudged to pull together a bunch of people over at our factory in Beresford Road and so we partner with a group called Choice so they're in mental health and they, they're dealing with a whole bunch of unwell people. We're sort of in this addiction field, brokenness, addiction, homelessness, just mess and then we've got this beautiful family, the vineyard here and it was like Father said, um, pull them all together. Thought, wow, that, that could look weird and he didn't give any more information than just pull them all together. So. I was thinking, oh, chapter die, she'll announce it and we might get three or four from Vineyard. So that's really cool. And, um, and so it was like nearly 20 from you guys come over to our factory and there was like 20 or 30 from Choice in mental health and there's a whole, then there was a whole bunch of Elisha Care and there was no program, it was just food, hardly any lights outside with a fire pit and, and it's so worked. And it's so worked. And what people fed back to us was that the spirit in the place was all that we needed. Jesus' presence in the place was all we needed. And so Father was just roaming in amongst YVVs, Choice Mental Health, Elisha Care. No one knew who was who. And, and that, that reminded me of the old days. And I know I'm not talking old days, but that reminded me of what it was like when we um, had the mess and we had no labels for it. Um, and so here's the thing that I felt this morning. This is, none of this is prepared and die. So this is so right for us just to share together is that there, there becomes cultures in cultures. And so in Elisha, guys come into us and they're pretty broken, really broken actually. And they come in and they join a small bunch of Elisha people and then that's quite often all they get. And what we do is we encourage them to expand into a bigger culture and so my passion is vineyard so we say come and expand into this other family and so Craig with a hat on over here I'm going to embarrass but chuck your hand up Craig so Craig a little while back I just said to him Craig you're really connected in the Elisha why don't you come down to this family and and meet some of these guys and so Craig courageously does and I've watched over the last 12 months I've watched this family embrace Craig and so then what happens is Craig starts saying wow, I'm finding someone that I never thought I even knew. And Craig grows, and then, and then Craig starts inviting. And so now his housemate is Sassy. Hand up. And so Sassy comes. And so Craig invites Sassy, and Sassy comes in. And so, um, and then there's Van, Burmese culture, Chin culture. 
And so the culture in the culture is Van, Van comes in an incredibly broken man and he's really, really safe in the Burmese culture. And we're trying to say, now just expand a little wider and get to know the Elisha culture on the healing journey. And Van says, I think I can do that, that's scary. And that takes a few years. And now Van is expanding into the bigger family of vineyard, whatever, whatever, you know. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll wind down really quickly, but so, Denise did this some 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Denise comes into YVV, and these stories are really important. Comes into YVV, and she comes in just a fairly messed up person comes out of drug addiction. And you know who her culture was? Fairly messed up people that were Terry's Tucker that she could identify with. And she felt really, really safe with these people. And so I'm saying to Denise, come on, come on. In, next culture, next culture. And so Denise starts to embrace the bigger family of YVV. And so what happens to Denise? She starts to thrive. She finds Denise. And then just recently has come back again and now Di is inviting Denise even deeper into community and family and stuff like that. And what happens to Denise? She thrives. And, and we see, and so this is, this is the compassion stuff, is that we see broken people come in broken and get well. Not overnight, but get well. And does it stir us up? Absolutely. And everyone that gets to participate and play says, oh my goodness, I'm signing up for more of this. And so what happens? People just get involved. And then the church starts to get stronger and stronger and stronger. I say, I say with the worship arm and the compassion arm, if you want to I get to know how to worship even more and how to get connected with Jesus even more then just get involved more in compassion and and all of a sudden all of a sudden the moment you start to care for one 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 person then all of a sudden he starts to stir up in you okay can I have a couple more minutes and um and and it seriously works but what we tend to do is we go the other way and say oh you don't understand how much I'm broken we're, we're all pretty broken. I'm so broken, so when I get a little bit better, then I'll be able to start reaching out. And it doesn't happen. And I've seen it, and this is not a judgment, but we just keep staying broken. And um, what you need to do is, those of you, go and see the Jesus Revolution. It's just out. Powerful, powerful movie about the 60s and 70s of a of a revival in amongst the Jesus people. Um, then what you need to do is then you need to do some research behind that and you need to find out what's really going on. It's, I'm serious, it's really important. It was as messy as anything and it doesn't come across in the film. John Wimber had a connection with Lonnie Frisbee. It was messy. Power of God turns up in the mess. Di's already mentioned, we're going to invite mess here. It's okay. And Father turns up in amongst the mess and we get the one, we, we're the ones that change. The poor help change us. The broken help change us. And so my last three weeks have been horrific. Phone call after phone call after phone call of people that are either suicidal or, or addicted or lost or broken or wounded or in Christian and in a mess. And I've been tormented saying, oh Jesus, what do we do? Tell me we don't need to do it together. We can't do it one by one. We need to do it together. 
The body is powerful when we're together and then all of a sudden mess, the mess will be, you know. And if I can prophetically say, and I come here and every single week I come in and I say, oh, we've got reasonably normal. And again, this is not to be nasty, but we've got reasonably normal. Oh, my goodness. There's one part in the movie where, where droves of hippies go into the Calvary Chapel Church and it freaks out the church. The 50, maybe the 50 in there. It freaks them out. And, um, and we identify that and say, oh, thank goodness, hippies are not around anymore. But they are. They're just called outcasts now. They're called outcasts. They're called broken. They're called whatever, whatever. And they're not coming into our buildings, and they won't. And the only way we'll reach them is that we've got to go and find them. They'll be our neighbours. They'll be our friends. They'll be the Craigs. Um, two courageous men came today. These are two champion men. Ben, Ben, I've only just got to walk with in the last little bit, but he's already saying, I want to know how to change my life. And we, and we say, oh my goodness, what do we do now? Ben needs about 40 of you. That's what he needs, but not today. But he needs about 40 of you. And you'll play a different role. And the prophetic will be involved. And the servers will be involved. And the, you know, and the carers will be involved. And, and, and then and, and Ben will start saying, oh my goodness, why didn't I find this 20 years ago? And addiction gets broken. And then Ben will tell his neighbour. And addiction gets broken again and again and again. And will we be one of those hippie, crazy movements? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So not only are we hearing the Father and we're, we're saying we're going to link our arms together in what this looks like, you might be saying, ah, oh, I haven't got time, I won't be able to do anything during the week. But if you're here on a Sunday, you're part of the welcome. You're part of the Father's welcome. And we just wanted to continue to say, we're going to start to see that the, the orphans are going to find a home. And it may not be, as Jeff says here, it might be on the front lawn of Lilydale and Beresford Road where their building is as we sit around a fire. And so there's a lot of invitation from the Lord and from us as well, just to be listening. How is that going to look for you? What shape will look like that? Would that look like for you? And I know many of you are already carrying this in your hearts. And so we're just creating a partnership with a trusted group of guys that are doing it well, and women, <laughs> guys general, that are doing it well and following the Lord into the mess of lives that will be, bring restoration. Yeah, there we go. That's the Lord responding through Jennifer and saying, I like this. And so we are going to do loud amens and we're going to do also the journey. For some of you, it's going to be a journey of going, I don't know how to get involved in that. And we'll help you along, alongside that as well. It's a walking alongside, right? We're going to be opening up in a moment, a time where we just really feel like the Lord is releasing his compassionate heart. He did it already through worship. And we're just going to continue to say, we need more of your passion. That's your name that we go out with your compassion. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate one. And so 
the worship part of that is really important. And if we think about the times we're living in right now, if you think about revivals and history and all the stuff that we're hearing that, oh my gosh, this looks like the Jesus revolution could happen again. We're not saying new wine goes into old wineskins. We're saying something new is happening or something fresh is happening. And do you know, if we're wanting to light a fire that the spirit is going to come and ignite, dry hearts are the very first thing that he wants to meet with. So if you think of a fire, what burns best? Dry logs. So if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I'm feeling so dry, don't ask me into more, you're a perfect candidate just to be set alight again in a fresh way with new wine, oil and wine that will produce dry hearts becoming soft to the compassion of the Lord again. And so dry eyes, if you're saying, I haven't cried with compassion of the Lord for a long time, we're also going to be experiencing that sense of, we're just overwhelmed with your goodness, Lord. We've got something to pass on because you've given us your compassion. That's who you are. We're carrying your inheritance and name. And so that's what he's going to release today. And he does that as we have our eyes fixed on him. 